My boys and I had hiked 20 miles that day. It was hot. We had gone uphill. We had gone downhill. It was a brutal hike. And we finally came back into civilization at the floor of the Yosemite Valley. And we saw a sign that said water. Now as everyone knows, that sign is wonderful. It was glorious after hiking from well before sunrise until late afternoon. So naturally, what did we do? We stopped and we admired the sign. We looked at the paint. We admired the engineering that went into creating the steel and then rolling the steel and then cutting it into shape. We acknowledged that some laborers carried the sign all the way to this spot so that it could be seen by weary travelers like ourselves. We spent a long while after hiking all day admiring the sign that said water. Actually, we didn't at all. We fell to immediately and we realized that though the sign that said water was so important, the sign indeed is a blessing. What was most important is that we understood the distinction between the sign and what that sign signified. Because if you don't do that, you will die of thirst. There are several signs in the Bible. Circumcision is a sign. It points to the good news that God cuts away the deadness of our hearts so that we are His. Baptism, likewise, is a sign. It points to the good news that God has put our old selves to death and raised us to newness of life. The Lord's Supper is a sign. It points to the good news of Jesus dying and rising again for the forgiveness of our sins. The Sabbath is a sign. It points to the good news that in Christ we have rest. Now to be sure, rest from our striving to please God and one day as we have rest in the new kingdom. The Sabbath is likewise a sign. Now, if you invest all your time and energy focusing on the sign of circumcision, the, the sign of the Lord's Supper or baptism or the Sabbath, then you will come up with some crazy notions and you will die of thirst. Instead, if you look at the sign of the Sabbath and recognize, distinguish between the sign and what it designates, you will find life. You will see that the Sabbath points to the reality that in Christ we have rest. Rest, as I said, to be sure, from our striving to please God, but also continuing today, rest that we will one day have as we enter the new kingdom then we can understand how this rest that we have already in Christ and that this rest that we 
don't yet have in Christ has changed a bit because Jesus has come. Jesus has come and made us a new creation and to inaugurate the final redemption that is ours at His death and resurrection. And when you understand this, then you will understand how God's people, the church, are both free from the legislation of the Sabbath and are bound to remember the refreshment, the living water that is ours when we rest, repent, and rejoice frequently in Jesus. Now I intend to unpack Jesus' take on the Sabbath today by looking at four passages. We will find in some in these passages that Jesus teaches that the Sabbath like every other day, is one in which God's people are to engage in works of service. We are to exercise biblical discernment and we are to humble ourselves before the Lord of the Sabbath. The key question, the key question at hand is what does it mean for God's people today to live in light of the fourth commandment? So here's my big idea for tonight. You cannot impress God with your Sabbath keeping. But you can enjoy Him. You cannot impress God with your Sabbath keeping, but you can enjoy Him. And my friends, enjoying God on the Lord's day trains our hearts to enjoy Him every day. And when our heart is so trained by the Sabbath you know that you will enjoy Him when we reach our final, eternal Sabbath in the new kingdom. And you will see as we go on how the Sabbath and the Lord's Day are related, but they are not the same. Once again, let's look at this biblical teaching, but remind ourselves first, the key distinction we saw last time. And that key distinction, if you remember, was between the Exodus 20 explanation of the Sabbath and the Deuteronomy 5. In Exodus 20, we saw creation was given as the ground. God created in six days, then He rested on the seventh. Then in Deuteronomy 5, we saw how the Exodus out of Egypt was held up as the reason or the ground why we should keep the Sabbath. Creation and redemption. Then we explained how the, at the cross we became the new creation in Christ. And then we also saw that the, the act of redemption that Exodus pointed to, Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, that redemption is now in fact ours. Once again, we find the big idea that we have found for all the Ten Commandments so far is that we are saved by the wood and we are taught by the stone. Now, because of the cross, because of the wood, we are not required to keep the Sabbath. And because of the stone, because the Ten Commandments are a reflection of who God is and who He wants to make us into being, we realize what it looks like to be a man or woman of God. Actually, my son this morning 
goes to a church in South Dakota, put it this way. Works plus faith do not equal salvation. But salvation equals... Um, salvate, oh my goodness, faith equals salvation plus works. And I think that idea works. You cannot impress God with your Sabbath keeping, but you can enjoy Him. So let's look at Jesus' teaching on the Sabbath in Matthew chapter 12. The most important idea we will get from this passage tonight is that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Allow me to read Matthew chapter 12, starting verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, behold, pay attention, Jesus. Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read... In the law, how the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, the priests of the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless. Let's pause here for just a moment. Because I want to show you what the Pharisees are doing. The legalists of Jesus' day intentionally did what they called building a wall around the law. The reasoning was, if there's a law that we must rest on the Sabbath, then we need to make a list of 39 categories of activities that we cannot do on that day. God says rest, don't work. They make 39 activities that, they, that you, you can't do these activities on the Sabbath. If we make a wall of regulations, they reasoned, around the law, then good Jews won't get close enough to break the law, and therefore they will be honoring to God. And because harvesting grain was one of the regulations they set up, even though the Old Testament specifically said you could go and harvest grain with your hand, they accused Jesus' disciples of breaking the Sabbath. Now Jesus responded to them by citing two examples where the letter of the law was broken in order that mercy would be shown to individuals in need. The legalists wanted to build walls. But God himself took a much more pragmatic view of the situation. The command related to the Sabbath is rest. So, rest. Don't make up all kinds of things you can or can't do. Instead, be creative and think about how, how you can go about living in such a way that you will recognize the God who gave the Sabbath as a gift. Ask yourself, how can I honor the Lord of the Sabbath? That is Jesus' point, and he makes this crystal clear in verses 6-8. through eight. I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So what's clear? What do we get in these three verses? We get that Jesus is greater than the temple 
And by implication, he is greater than the Sabbath and he is greater than the law as a whole. Jesus makes a profound statement when he says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. We learn, number one, Jesus reserves the right to clarify how it is to be used or celebrated or honored or kept using the different languages, words found in the Old Testament. He also, we learn, does not repeal the Sabbath. Notice, Jesus does not repeal the Sabbath. What I see here is an alteration of it so that we celebrate or remember or honor or observe it rightly instead of surrounded by 39 categories of laws of things you cannot, cannot do. And lastly, I see that Jesus is Lord of something. If Jesus had said, if I had said I'm Lord of the unicorns, well, that doesn't really mean very much. But Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That has to mean something. And I take it that he means for us to worship, to honor the Lord of the Sabbath in how we spend that day. Next slide. Bottom line, Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, means that we are above all to honor the Lord of the Sabbath. We are to seek to live as He does. Beyond the specific commands we find in the Old Testament and in people's laws, we are to prayerfully consider ourselves how we are to celebrate the Lord's Day. We are freed in the New Covenant to, from keeping Sabbath regulations... And we are freed in the new covenant to celebrate the Lord's day. Because you cannot impress God with your Sabbath keeping. But you can enjoy Him. Now we continue following the same passage in Matthew. Here we find that He unpacks the statement we just read in verse 7 where Jesus said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus is going to live that statement out. And he declares that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, even if that doing good breaks some other rule. Let's read what we have here. Verse 9, And he went on from there and entered into their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And so they asked him, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored healthy like the others. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, by his words and deeds, asserts that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. Now this, of course, is a quote from Hosea 6.6. 6. And God's point is that a key principle to remember on the Sabbath... In fact, a key principle to remember every day is God desires for you and me to live mercy. 
Not just to give your near one what they deserve, but to give mercy. And so the Sabbath, and every day, every other day, is meant to relieve the effects of the fall. Which, by the way, I'm not getting into Hebrews 4, but that's where you're going to find that. The Sabbath and every day for the Christian is to relieve the effects of the fall. And if eating grain from a field is kosher on other days of the week to help those in need of food, then it likewise is kosher on the Sabbath. And here we come to one of the most universally recognized truths that the church has declared regarding the Sabbath. God desires us to be merciful and work done for mercy and necessity pulling a donkey out of a ditch for example are not only permissible on the sabbath they're required what is it that you do in your life that prevents you from showing mercy to someone jesus is saying loud and clear right here stop it Show mercy. Show mercy. Love your near ones. Because there is no greater love than this. That we lay down our lives for those who are near us. Don't, like the one we are about to see, Pretend you want to obey the command of God as an excuse for failing to show mercy. So in Luke 13, we see an example of mercy and necessity being an opportunity for Jesus to emphasize a core truth about the Sabbath. And that is this. Don't be a hypocrite. Well, that surprised you, didn't it? You weren't expecting that. But let's see where Jesus makes exactly that claim. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And pay attention. Behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully strengthen herself, straight, straighten herself. When Jesus called her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. And she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead him away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said these things, and all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced in all the glorious things that were done by him. 
Note how the ruler of the synagogue was indignant. In other words, he said, how dare you, Jesus, heal this woman on the Sabbath? Now, Mrs. Winger over there likes to use a phrase, and she likes to say, use your sanctified imagination. Use your sanctified imagination right now and picture yourself in this situation. And some itinerant preacher comes into your service, and he touches a woman, a woman that all of us has, has known for years, probably decades, and with a word and a touch, he heals her. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw that and then all of a sudden this woman started praising Jesus because of that, uh, would you speak to us, please? <laughs> I mean, right? Isn't, isn't that what a godly person would do? That's why this man was a hypocrite. This man was a hypocrite. And this is crucial. This is absolutely essential you understand this. It's crucial. This man was a hypocrite because he, did, he condemned the woman and Jesus for asking for something absolutely in line with what God loves to do. He loves to bring healing. He loves to bring rest. No, you can't do that. Jesus called them out. You're a hypocrite. They're hypocrites also. Not only do they condemn the woman, if you remember my explanation of the two ways to be a hypocrite in the New Testament, he's also a hypocrite for the second reason. Because he does the exact same thing for his farm animals. He brings out his donkey and says, hey, here's some water on the Sabbath. You hypocrite. That woman is infinitely more valuable than that donkey and which by the way don't not feed your donkey just because it's a sabbath either now how does that apply to us this is very important in keeping the sabbath or the lord's day or in not keeping the sabbath lord's day don't become a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't allow yourselves to look down on others or refuse to bless others based upon your interpretation of the Sabbath. Don't do it. Don't look down on someone because they dis disagree with you on this. Look for ways to honor the Lord of the Sabbath. And if between you and the Bible and Jesus, you determine how you are going to keep the Sabbath, then praise Jesus. That's exactly what I want these two lessons to accomplish. But don't look down on someone else who disagrees with you. Look, one more example of what Jesus says here. Because what we're going to find in John is that Jesus commands us to make biblical judgments. Verse 22. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. Of course you do. You're commanded to. 
So if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made this man's whole body well? It's a different healing. And then he says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. The law to circumcise and therefore identify with the people of God, is greater than the law to rest on the Sabbath. And we have seen now several times that necessity, leading your donkey to water, and or mercy, healing somebody, are works that must be done in order to glorify the Lord of the Sabbath. This is what he wants us to do. And if it involves work, then so be it. The law to heal or do good to your neighbor is likewise greater than the law not to work on the Sabbath. And here we see the principle. Obey God. Glorify God. Trust God. Whatever else you do on the Sabbath or don't do on the Sabbath, do what you know God wants you to do so that you will be doing the right thing on the Sabbath and any other day of the week for that matter. When Jesus says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment, part of what he's condemning the Pharisees for is that they were only looking at the surface level of the problem. Don't just look at the surface level of the problem. Don't just look at the person in need and say, oh, well, that's his fault or her fault because they did drugs or because they can't you know, communicate well with their spouse. That's, that's their fault because they don't go to church. Well, all those might be true. But that doesn't excuse you from reaching out in mercy and giving them a drink of water. Giving them a drink of living water. Whether it's the Sabbath or the Lord's Day or not. Don't allow a knee-jerk response to take over your attitudes and actions and therefore dishonor God. Look. Look. And see Jesus touching the filthy leper and not being defiled Himself, but raising this person. Praise Jesus. Wow, I was able to bless my neighbor by helping her move her furniture. What a great way to celebrate the Sabbath. Did you rest? <laughs> no. Not physically. Now there's two groups of people in here. Some of you grew up believing that if you even mentioned the word Sabbath, you're toying with legalism if you're not straight up legalist. Some of you, I bet, grew up that way. I challenge you. Stop it. Don't do that. Why? Because the servant reports to his or her master. And guess what? You are not. So don't judge them. 
And then ask yourself, if you believe that even mentioning the Sabbath is legalism, then ask yourself, am I being self-sufficient? Am I thinking that everything relies on me? Do I believe that I need to keep working, 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 working to make stuff work out for me? Now, as I noted last time, the command is work six days. You should work six days. But the seventh is a Sabbath rest unto the Lord. Don't believe that if you don't work on the Sabbath, God won't help you. But some of you grew up believing the opposite. Some of you grew up believing that people who didn't keep the Sabbath were scofflaws and they deserved the condemnation of God. Well, I mean, you know, if we start talking about desserts, I deserve the bottom of the pit of hell. When you get to the pearly gates, don't ask for justice. But that's not the point. If your friend, if your neighbor, if your brother or sister has trusted the promises of God for them of Christ, and they stick to several rules about the Sabbath, then so be it. That's between them and the Lord. And if you're judging them, you probably ought to ask is my heart right? Am I relying on putting others down? You see, we learn from Jesus' teaching on the Sabbath that mercy, mercy is the great way to honor the Lord of the Sabbath. Almost all of his stories on the Sabbath are about him showing mercy. We also learn that as the Lord of the Sabbath, we are above all to honor Him. So consider, think about, meditate on what that would look like for you to set aside time each week to honor the Lord of the Sabbath. 24 hours too much? Start with two. Pick two hours on Saturday morning. Pick two hours Sunday afternoon. And ask yourself and ask God the Spirit to help direct you so that you can honor the Lord of the Sabbath. Now fortunately for us, the New Testament does not end with the Gospels and Acts. So we turn to the Apostle Paul and we learn that the Sabbath, as the Sabbath, as it is given in the Old Testament, is no longer a requirement for believers. We find this in Romans, excuse me, Romans 14, 5 and 6. Paul says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord, and gives thanks to God. So I have just one question on this passage. What does it mean to be fully convinced in his own mind? Let me give you four pointers. Do the Bible work yourself. How do you become fully convinced in your mind? Do the Bible work yourself. Now you can use my notes as a start. I happen to think it's a good place to start. 
Or you might go to your favorite pastor, your favorite website, and get some ideas. But take those ideas and go to the Bible. My job is to make disciple-making disciples who are independently dependent upon the Word of God. Don't take my word for it. Be independent. Don't take my word for it. But be dependent on the Word of God. Number two, live what you believe. You believe the Lord's day is like any other day? Great. That's between you, the Bible, and Jesus. Not between me. You think the Lord's day ought to be made more special, or as the Bible calls it, holy? Then observe it the way you see fit. With your Bible, with your Bible-informed conscience. Go to God's Word. Allow it to wash over you. And then follow your conscience. And number three, above all, honor the Lord. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He declares Himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And remember, following the Lord of the Sabbath is not necessarily going to be comfortable. We in the United States, and my fingers are pointed at me just as much as you, we in the United States bow to the God of comfort. I submit that if you go and ask the Lord to direct you in how to keep the Sabbath, it will not be comfortable. Not at first. And lastly, Paul ends, give thanks. Whatever may come your way, give thanks. For the sake of completeness, let me read Colossians 2, 16 and 17, which largely says the same thing. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regards to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. When you read Sabbatarian websites, when you read websites that are dedicated to you must obey the Sabbath, this is the verse they go to. But I think they make a couple of crucial mistakes in their interpretation. But bottom line, what I want you to hear is don't pass judgment on yourself or on others. Go to the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? Show me in your word. But the other reason why I bring this, and I can go elaborate on that if you wish. Ask me later. But the other reason why I bring this verse to mind is because it specifically calls the Sabbath, among other things, a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ, or the subject substance is of Christ, is what it actually says. The Sabbath is a shadow. It is a sign. It points to a reality, and that reality is rest. And let me show you how this brings in what Jesus has taught. This rest is not necessarily my physical rest. This rest, in part, is the showing of mercy to all the near ones that the Lord has brought near us. Like, for example, the husband of our pianist in the, bed, in the gym. The gym, geez, the band, sorry. Or that lady around the corner who you help move her furniture. 
or the person that you gave a cup of iced tea to on a hot day so you can listen to her and help her. Encourage and pray for her. Show that mercy. And you do it because you trust the promises of God for you in Christ who promised that when you are this merciful person, He will give you rest. You cannot impress God with your Sabbath keeping. You cannot impress God with your Sabbath keeping, but you can enjoy Him. In this land, at this point of history, you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and you don't want to spend all your time looking at the signs so that you miss the living water being offered to you. Nor do you want to run blithely along, missing the truths of rest and repentance and joy that are meant to be yours for the taking. So look at this sign, the sign of the Sabbath, and choose the rest that it points to. Lord Almighty, we so desperately need this rest because we are running, running, running. Give us wisdom to know when to stop and when to find our rest in You because You are truly glorious. Bless us, Jesus so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.